Cradeline Network. My name is Conrad, alongside Fred Fox. It's the 270th episode of Space Spinner 2000. 270 years oh, of Space Spinner 2000, it. Fox. That's <laughs> too many. Come on, 1750, buddy. 51, that's when we started this thing. Oh, God. Um, it's a podcast for two Americans to make sense. The UK zones. Galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, again, from before there was um, Americans. One month of frogs <laughs> at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for January and February 1993. Progs 820 to 823. This time, the robo-hunter is stunning. Uh. Flesh draws a blank. Kelly's eye is hanging some cliffs. The Gronkinator Gronkinates, and mm. PJ maybe returns. Yay! I'm happy Woo. about that one. Yeah. And if you read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the, Com- the Complete Case Files 18 and the Judge Dread Magazine 311 and 305. Again, this era where not a lot of stuff has been collected in the long term, just saying. Well, yeah, that's more it's more damning than anything else. Indeed, indeed. How you doing, Fox? We're back to remote recording in various countries and other crazy <laughs> stuff now. I'm in I'm in Poland this time. The uh, golden age of in-person space spitter was brief. Now we're on to other other things. I'm in Poland. <laughs> I drank a lot of vodka yesterday, Conrad. Nice. Like a, a fuck. I mean, it's some of my favorite too because they have this bison grass vodka that tastes so good. Uh, you know, I'm paying, I'm paying the price, but it does give me an excuse to like lay in a big comfy hotel bed for a really long time. Listen, I'll take that excuse even if I haven't drinking anything because I am a lazy boy. Everybody knows it, you know? (laughs) Wear it on my chest. What's up, baby? Listen. Lazy boy coming through. Embrace this laziness. It's good times. All right. But hey, speaking of somebody who hasn't been lazy, Fox, it's been... Super busy with the murders and the corporate intrigue, etc. Let's talk about Thrill One Judge Dredd. Script by Garth Ennis, art robot Anthony Williams, and Brett Ewins and Stein, letting robot a Tom Frame. Uh, PJ Maybe's back, Fox. Oh man. I love this kid. He kills people yeah. like a lot. Totally, yeah. It's been a while since Mega City One's youngest serial killer, though he's in the process of aging out of that, um, <laughs> has been the Progs. We last saw him in 1990, taking another kid's identity in the aftermath of Necropolis. And now from his high-rise office, he gazes into the yard of Isoblock 30 wistfully as, dude gets, as dudes get their ass kicked. <laughs> Just watching casual violence. Yeah, this casually story's called watching P- casual violence. <laughs> casually, casual, casual violence. It's violence wearing jeans and a polo shirt, Fox. <laughs> casual Friday violence. God. <laughs> and this story's called PJ Maybe and the Mock Chalk Factory. Yay! Though, just for the record, PJ isn't just wistfully watching this murder. He's still killing people, including his girlfriend recently. Yeah, hey, why not? <laughs> 
Meanwhile, at Wonker's Mock Chalks, an executive is showing a bunch of kids around the factory, mentioning that owner Willie Wonker died soon after the company was acquired by Urchison Incorporated. And Urchison is the family that PJ murdered his way into in 1990, just FYI. They do, like... Um, under like deodorant stuff, as I recall. I don't know. Um, but suddenly things get weird when the kids look at the conveyor belt and there's a nose with a ruby stud in one of the chocolate bars. Oh boy. The exec grabs it, tries to hide it from the kids, but they demand he eats it or show it to him. So he eats it. Oh yeah. Cause Gross. they're like, you said it's delicious. So why aren't you eating it? He said it's the best thing in the world. These fucking kids just like nagging a guy. Negged a guy into cannibalism, Fox. It's happened to all of us. <laughs> um, later, the exec is talking to PJ, who offers him a crunch block bar, then identifies the nose as belonging to Mr. Grizz, a man he killed. He also says he killed Mr. Wonker, just FYI. Yeah, I mean, really goes, just letting it all out, huh? Yeah, he basically just then goes on to admit the majority of his crimes, including being PJ, maybe. <sighs> but... You know, no worries about that because the crunch block the exec ate, ate just ate is both made of human bones and full of a hemorrhaging <laughs> agent that kills him nearly God, instantly. Just really the double whammy there. Gotta love PJ. <laughs> There's bones in the chocolate. It's a classic last podcast and a Lester re- reference, I feel like. But anyway, well done. It, look, it looks like the machines um, aren't pulping the bodies of maybe victims like he'd like them mm. to. Oh, man, why even buy a chocolate factory then? <laughs> it's not going to grind people up the way you'd expect, you know? Yeah. He'll have to be more careful as Dread appears in the comic at last and is tasked with doing some follow-up <laughs> for the Judgment Day backlog with Jay Urchison, and that's PJ Maybe's new identity. This one was a real, like, oh, yeah, Dread's in this yeah. like level of, of Dread <laughs> appearing, which I, I like occasionally. Just yeah. like, no, we're talking about other stuff. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. He'll still show up. He'll be here. Dread arrives and questions maybe about his missing father, girlfriend, accountant. That's Mr. Grizz and factory owner. Um, maybe passes the lie detector easily. And here is where I get very angry about how Anthony Williams is drawing Dread's uniform because he's got the badge oh, yeah, real low yeah, on Dredd's like chest. Tummy. Like, yeah, it's like, you know, normally a badge is over your heart, Fox, but this one's over his kidney, I guess. <laughs> Which maybe is part of uh, part of Mega City One's anti-sugar stance or something like oh, that. God. It's in solidarity yeah, well, with, di- with the diabetics, you, Fox. You wear your, you wear your uh, um, badge at half-mast when, uh, when a judge is passed. I hate this. I really <laughs> like this. Well, I kept looking at this and being like, ooh, this makes me mad. Jesus. Uh, Come on. I didn't even notice it, and now I can't unsee it. No, you can't unsee it. It's like on multiple pages. Oh, yeah, no, this is how Williams is drawn drawn Dredd. Um, Anyway, maybe um, after Dredd leaves, maybe Dredd grabs a body bag from his closet and heads off with that exec he killed earlier, passing, I believe, a robot receptionist and definitely a robot security guard. He's a little worried because he's turning 18 tomorrow, which will change his legal standing and stuff. Yeah, you know, can't just go to, like, the juve cubes. Absolutely. On his bike, Dredd has doubts about what... Urchison, a.k.a. maybe told him, but nothing to back it up. The yeah, kid did pass the cop, lie detector. He's got them cop uh, intuitions. Yeah, he's got a hunch, you know. 
And maybe did mention that you can beat Birdie if you're whatever, a stone cold killer enough. And like, maybe if he kind of like does some like, I don't know, mental gymnastics or something. Well, like, he I had, well, him. He the had, mock chalk bar did. He had, like uh, he had like a device on the back of his chair that was like blocking oh, the yeah. signal. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, he's got the tech. Woo. Um, maybe prepares to to dispose of the exec as he chastises some other major dread villains, villains for getting too big for their own good. Mm. One at a time is his motto. Like he sort of like um, death and um, Sabat and all these guys. You yeah, know? exactly. Although I mean, he's killing locally as opposed to randomly, which I think is problematic. Yeah. Local murders mean local work, Fox. We all know that. Mm -hmm. But also, I should say that this one-at-a-time ethos is not one he will stick to in the long term. Just (laughs) FYI. Okay. (laughs) Dredd is arresting some crooks with the machine gun-mounted shopping carts and sheep skull hats. They're the Ram Raiders. Okay. When he gets a call from Control, the Urchisons are known associates of the Maybe family, and Dredd immediately puts out an APB because he's pretty sure that Urchison just might be Maybe, in fact. Yeah, hey, I mean, pretty good call. I mean, yeah, it's it's right. You know, you can't fault him there. Meanwhile, PJ is grinding the exec up with the mock chalk <laughs> beans to turn him into candy bars. As it seems, again, Dredd has managed to put together what's actually happened in the PJ Maybe story. To his displeasure, maybe looks out the window and sees Judge Dredd walking up to the factory. Ah, poop. Yeah. Maybe explains you should only kill when needed as Dredd walks through the mock chalk factory, calling PJ out. Um, A pair of robot eyes targets Dredd as Mm. the lawman notices a uh, drip of blood fall onto his shoulder pad, and then a giant scorpion bot attacks him. Which, I like, is that blood in his butt? I think it might be, yeah, or just dripping from its previously stabbed somebody, mm. or that's the poison in the stinger or something. Yeah, okay. I don't know, yeah. Dread barely fights the monster off, its stinger glances off his helmet, as maybe reminisces about his first murders, also with the bug robot way back in the day. Mm. Anyway... Good times, he's off to Banana City. Yeah, hey, good good call. They, uh, they yeah. don't really extradite as far as I can tell. Nah, absolutely. Dread blows off the bug stinger, but it sprays green goo at him. Oh, Cocooning Dread drops him onto the chocolate conveyor belt, but he does have one hand free, so Dread grabs some profiteroles, throws him at the bot's face, then boot knifes his way free. Goddamn boot knife, so cool. <laughs> Always, yeah. He smashes the robot with a nearby pipe and calls into control. Maybe he has escaped from Mega City One. Oh, God, we gotta ground him. Yeah. Dread, however, just orders a fast H wagon, and on the flight to Banana City, PJ thinks he's free when there's a cring as Judge Dredd has executive decisioned his way onto the plane. <laughs> God damn it. when you take one plane and you get onto another plane with it, through like an airlock kind of thing. Beautiful. Dread confronts Maybe, who tries to avoid violence because he's a minor, but Dread knows the score. Maybe just turned 18 an hour ago, and he punches the murderer right in the face. <laughs> PJ is off to the cubes, presumably. They don't specifically say that, and I'll let you know, Fox, that PJ Maybe will return in the year 2000. What? Oh, God, that's so far from now. Yeah, man. I don't want to but wait you know, that long. I, do, I love PJ, maybe. 
I th- I like him too, but I think listen, like this let gives him a chance to grow up a little bit. You know, be in his mid twenties next time, mm-hmm. so he can do d- d- different things. Like I think just being a fully hidden serial killer, like we've seen a lot of that. I'm interested for other stuff, and um, you know, also I do appreciate them just not relying on the rogues gallery. Oh, you know? sure. Like where just every year there could be a a a, maybe a PJ story and like a dead and like a death story or a mean machine story or something right. instead. Right. Then you just rotate as opposed to getting some new blood in there. Yeah. In theory, it's good that they're moving around and not relying on the same villains constantly. Mm. In practice, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Next up, Brett Ewins is on art. He's double booking in uh, A23. It's also his first dread in the prog since Hottie U in prog 586, almost five years ago. And Dredd's badge is riding a bit higher on his chest yeah. this time as he meets with Judge Cahill, a 40-year man with a red mustache, still on the street. Man, I fucking, I love this whole premise. It's like, definitely, uh, I'm dying. But if there's one thing I know, I'm gonna die on the goddamn street. One last patrol. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got rad, rad cancer and six hours to live. God so damn. he and Dread are. That's a very precise diagnosis, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> so he and Dread are gonna fight crime one last time, and then we just go to a big montage, basically. As the two lawmen shoot and arrest perps, do some rough interrogation, just basically smash through this sector to the point where there aren't enough meat wagons to to take in all the perps. You know, they're just arresting everybody in this area. Just violence, violence, violence. Absolutely. Eventually, at 0530, 30 minutes left until he dies, the judges are heading down to St. Elmo's to arrest a sugar dealer. When Cahill feels a stab of pain, his death might be starting. So Dredd bursts in on his own. Cahill waiting outside looking for stragglers, starting to cough up blood as his body just quickly... It's like someone flipped a domino and now just dying all at once, basically. (laughs) That's it, man. They said six hours. It's a precise diagnosis. Yeah, as the sounds of Dredd's fighting rings out from inside the uh, inside the bar. Suddenly, their quarry, Wasp Klondike, appears, holding a gun to a kid's head. It's a bad situation, and Dredd doesn't know what to do, when suddenly, a shot rings out. Kale's killed Klondike from outside! Mm, what you say? Oh, it only meant well. well of course this is literally did. the version of that. Yeah, yeah, shot from unknown source. A final enforcement of justice as Kale radios to dread that he's gone and then slumps over on his bike, oh. dead. God damn. He said, this is one, a fun one. Well, the last thing that he said to Joe Dredd is, I'm, I'm gone, Joe. Let's think it was so cool. I think yeah, like, this, it's such yeah. a badass way to go out for a judge. Just like, listen, totally. there's one thing that this mustache desires. It's justice. I'm a big fan of a one-off dread story that's just judges rolling through kicking ass every once in a while. Yeah. You know, especially if if it's on the back of like... A classic dread artist, I guess. I'm thinking of um, there was a Cam Kennedy one, uh, La Placa Rifa, a, w- a little while ago. That was also just kind of like you know the badge rules, basically. I was just like, hey, like you know, we've got this artist who's a classic dread guy, he does a really good job at action stuff. Let's just have him kick ass periodically. Why and, you not? know, remember how cool dread can be sometimes, and I think that's really neat. 
I agree. And then also just, you know, again, like we always get these stories about mor- uh, mortality and dread. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I feel like dread's an even more than 40-year man at this point. Or, no, he must be like in the mid-30s, well, I guess. Because he's been rejuved, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's in a different situation just because, like... They got his genes on file or whatever. Some of the restoration stuff from, uh, I be- you know, I always say dead man is when they sort of, yeah. like... He got a like a semi reset basically, um, but I don't know if that's technically true in terms of them f- like redoing it from the ground up versus skin grafts. But still, like you know, he's in a different situation. Plus, he's the main character, so whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the the pivotal dread. Absolutely, yeah. The, he's the one on which though the whole world turns, Fox. <laughs> right. But hey, speaking speaking of law enforcement characters on their last patrol. <laughs> Oh, God. Let's talk about Thrill 2, Dead Meat. Is it truly their last patrol? Are you giving me good news? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, I love this Script news. about Michael Cook, art robot Simon Jacob, Lego robot a really little fellow. Yeah, let's talk about it at the end here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Agent Ram is button baddies. The Texas ambassador is being threatened by giant cleavers. The blades destroy his hat, but he's otherwise okay, and Ram leaves him tied to a chair. Ram heads out and meets up with his partner, Vera Brett, and the two of them go to arrest Goldie Locks. They gotta get her before she heads out on her world tour. And um, they'll have to be subtle, I guess, so the gun-toting sheet man just grabs two people and uh, steals okay. their clothes for himself and Vera. No, no, Terminator, yeah, no Terminator jokes, I guess, huh? I need your clothes. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm I hate bad it. at bleating, Fox. It's hard for me to do. Uh, I hate it. It's really yeah. well done. So they make their way into the venue where there's music playing and Vera can't see anything without her glasses that she had to take off for the disguise for some like you could they don't know the person that you're pretending to be. You could probably just yeah, wear glasses. Exactly. But she's bumping into any everything. Goldie gets on stage and sings a very sexy meat-based song. Yeah. As Ram beats up her muscular backup. To, you know, this is very like again early '90s Madonna sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I was feel gonna, like I was going to ask because it like has some very clear um, comparisons with the muscular men on stage. This feel yeah, this feels a lot like yeah, various video you know video award performances and stuff like that. I'll, for you know, we're sa- I'll tell sending you, up Madonna here. The, the lyrics are horrible. I feel like I'm a little bit removed from when I wrote this thing. I just remember there's a lot of stuff about meat and Man, sexiness. Let me say, uh, now I'm back in your heart, tied my horse to your cart, put uh, uh, put my song in your chart, spread my jam on in your tart. <laughs> Like, gross it's a weird gross. one yeah it's real weird and then I it like ends it. with ooh ooh I'm honey it, honey i'm your little snuggle bunny Listen, flash me I your like... cash and give me money then i'll say your jokes are funny i feel like lana del rey could pull this off if she wanted to i mean she... lana del rey is <laughs> a national treasure <laughs> absolutely be a snuggle bunny <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, eventually, it yeah, beats up these dancers, gets behind her and, arrest her, and arrests Goldie. She goes to run, but goes straight, runs straight into the gun of Vera Brett, who says she'll be infamous for her meat crimes. Okay. And honestly, that's good enough for Goldie. She just wants some kind of fame. She just not wants something in that meter, Fox. <laughs> Get her fame stat up. God. 
So it's either infamy or famous, but both are famous. One way or another. Yeah. Positive or negative. You know, she's willing to go the uh, the Paragon or the uh, Renegade route in this (laughs) fame RPG. Um, Anyway... uh, yeah, so the day is saved, and Ram makes a joke about being a black belt in choreography. The uh, end of Dead Me Forever! Well, that's such great news, man. <laughs> that's the last we'll see of this story and of author Michael Cook, though Simon oh. Jacob will be back very soon for uh, Armored Gideon, which we'll be getting Yay, coming back Gideon. to our pages soon enough. Annihilate! It's not like robots. Yeah, weird multi-dimensional robots. That's I mean, the best listen, kind. <laughs> you, <laughs> you have solved the puzzle. We came. Whatever the fuck a, a Cenobite says. Yeah. I don't have my brains anymore. Buddy. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Off topic, they just announced that they're doing a remake with a with a lady pinhead, which I feel like, I don't know, it stirs something within me, Fox. But anyway. <laughs> but speaking of uh, annihilating things, or even exterminating things, or even terminating things. Oh, God. Gronkinating things. It's Thrill Three Strontium Dogs. Man, I just want to like say like rad, bodacious. Do a do a boneless kickflip, stiffy, bro. I then... mean, even more than than Farrell himself, which we also made reference to. Oh God, this... they've just gone full poochie with uh, with the Gronk here. Yeah, I'm know. very I'm very sad about this direction currently. <laughs> Like the fact that they, I was going to say, like, I'm surprised they didn't literally put like black sunglasses on it, but they do do that. Yeah, so, like, exactly. <laughs> Script about Garth Ennis, art about Nigel Dobbin, lettering about Ellie DeVille. In the Pennine Mountains in northern England, the Gronk appear, uh, prepares to head out to the stars, saying a fond farewell to his buddies and the Goblin Horde. He's heading out to Parnell's world to meet up with Farrell and get some more information about the fate of Johnny Alpha and the Strontium Dogs. He climbs to the top of a hill, skateboards down a natural ramp, and goes flying onto the side of the spaceship as it takes off, skates or dies. Oh, God. (laughs) God. I like the idea of it, but like, oh, my God, this is just a lot. Crunk on a skateboard is great, but again, it's just like, and then like some ninja turtles, ninja goblins in the background, just like, yeah, thrash it. Whoa. It's just like, oh, God. Totally. It's, It's just the most cringe. The most strange. He he lands on the ship, cutting his way in with his meat dissolving tongue. God, and I always the forget ship. about that because he's just like and then dripping into the fucking. Thing. You got to remember, he's got a giant mouth that consumes metal in his chest. Absolutely, yeah. it kind of. I'm surprised. I guess they can talk out their face. Well, their nose Something. Hole? I, yeah. I, well, I, I feel like a lot of times Gronk's word bubbles just kind of come from his torso, like not directly from his face, honestly. It, okay. it's That can vary, I feel like. Um, yeah, he hijacks the ship, tells them all they're headed, tells the crew they're all headed to Parnell's world. Meanwhile, professors X and Y are also on a ship headed there, completing their work on their murder robot, the Gronkinator. I just, back on the Gronk's ship. Oh, yeah, I just don't thing. get why they're doing this. They want to collect the bounties oh, sure. on the remaining strontium dogs and stuff. You don't need a thing that looks and acts like a gronk. You're right. This <laughs> is just part of the fun, I guess. Yeah. Th- oh, you know what? That is fair. Like, even, even mad scientists should have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Back on the Gronk ship, they're nearing the planet, and the Gronk has been awake watching the crew the whole time for like a week of space flight. The crew assumes that the alien sleeps with his eyes open and they go to jump him, but he does not do that, and so everybody is gunned down. (laughs) 
the Gronk is going to have to land this ship the hard way because he's killed everybody else. Yeah, well, great job, man. Hey, made this fun character a murderer. It's good times. Yeah. The mutants on Parnell's world see the Gronk ship coming in fast as the alien puts on an emergency jetpack, shoots his way out of the ship just as it crashes into a mountain. Snack this for a lark, for yeah. a larks, buddy. Yeah, I guess. It's just... Meanwhile... It's, it's dumb. Meanwhile, the profs have landed much more safely, and the Gronkinator is revealed. Um, it's a perfect machine, and now it's time to send it out to kill Strontium Dogs for bounties. And if things go wrong, it's got a 50 uh, 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 kilogram napalm bomb built into it. What go forth, my creation. Kill those jerks. <laughs> Meanwhile, a heavily armed Gronk is making his way down to the street, asking where he can find Farrell, and he seems he's in a local bar. Indeed, Gronk finds him there, but Farrell's surrounded by by beer cans and immediately passes out. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, man. This guy having all of this trauma. What? That's so unfortunate for me personally. I mean, that, that lady he liked got killed right in front of no, him and stuff like that. Well, that's like what that. I'm saying. It's like, poor Feral, right? Like, he's been through a bunch. And, like, we know also that it's only a matter of time before yeah, he, like, turns, turns into, into a into... fucking H.R. Giger monster. Right, exactly. So, like, you know. I he feel can bad. Be... I... Gronk's yeah. being a huge dick is basically my point. <laughs> okay, fair. That's, that's cool. Yeah, fair enough. It's like, hey, you made him this way. Um... Garthetis. So if you don't like it, like you shouldn't have done it. Whatever. Exactly. Uh, the mutants who gave him directions before helping Gronk get Feral up and around again, they recap the events of some previous Strontium Dog story as stories as Gronk dumps a bucket of water on Feral, saying that while Feral might be happy to Gronk to drown his sorrow, the Gronk is out for revenge. Yeah, he's on a rampage, you know. Yeah. Mid yeah, listen, mid mid rampage. The Gronk introduces himself to Farrell, mentions Johnny Alpha, and Farrell just wallows in self pity, calling himself a jinx. Meanwhile, in town, the Gronkinator's walking through the city when a bunch oh, of jerk mutant kids across him. They make fun of him for being the Gronkinator, etc. Until at least his chest opens up and some hex laser just cuts them all into pieces, it's like that one Resident Evil graphic. movie. It's pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, like, like you see rough. half of a human head. Like, you see half the brain yeah. and the pipes and business. And it's like, Jesus, man. Like, you guys are going all out. <laughs> Seriously. Gronk's giving Farrell some tough love when suddenly a bunch of armed mutants burst down the door, calling for Gronk's head. He protests his innocent, but the mutants just grab him and drag him off. Farrell tries to explain that the Gronk was with him the whole time when suddenly he looks down into the eyes of the Gronkinator. Well... Sucks to be you, bro. Yeah. The Gronkinator pops a drill boner of some kind? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, you know... <laughs> Farrell isn't feeling I mean, it, as, and so he, he I mean, slashes the robot alien with his claws. His, yeah. his response to it is literally, whoa. <laughs> Too much. Like, what is this, buddy? <laughs> yeah. That's what the, the slash of the Gronkinator's face gives the machine that old Terminator half face. Mm -hmm. It seems Pharaoh's wanted alive, so the Gronk hits him in the in, in uh, hits Pharaoh with his head pom pom, which sprawls out, knocks him, yeah, knocks him unconscious. It's the old spring boxing glove problem. 
Absolutely. The Gronkinator drags Feral back to the profs, who give the Gronk a pair of sweet shades to hide the battle damage. Meanwhile, the real Gronk is in prison, about to be dragged to the gallows, when suddenly the Gronkinator appears as well and starts blasting all these mutants. Yeah, well... The Gronk gets free. He's, like, cut down from the noose and starts running to get his gun. Back at the professor's, Feral's tied up, but he's not tied up nearly well enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he breaks free. Kills one professor and makes the other tell him about the Gronkinator, who says it's unstoppable. There's nothing you can do. Plus, it's got a big bomb in it. <laughs> so naturally, of course, Farrell kills him, too, in a big splash of blood. Next time on Strontium Dogs, Gronk versus Gronk in Hater. Yeah, well, I mean, flesh versus machine. Machine wins every time. That's where I put my money. Goodbye, Gronk. Usually, <laughs> usually a good bet. But listen... I, don't, I, I, I think you might be forgetting one important thing. What's that? Which is that the flesh of the Gronk eats metal for breakfast, Oh, buddy. my God. Yeah, that's true. That thing's just going to get eaten. Like, I don't even know what... I haven't even read ahead, but I just remember that fact that, you know... <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I mean, like, why they thought... The Gronk just, just licked his way into a spaceship, <laughs> so, like... He's got he's got unusual tools to fight this metal you know metal based bad guy. We'll this, see how much he uses it. Man, like that it's the feels old real weird Magneto thing. versus Wolverine kind of situation. Yeah, why did you they know? fucking make a metal thing to go after this thing that like everyone knows they eat metal? Well, I mean, they like in the in these professors' defense. They might be assuming that the Gronk is still just a standard Gronk and hasn't like been oh. infected by the rage virus and stuff sure. like that. Sure. So usually it's easy just to not count on Gronks to do anything in fights because they just die. You know, they have heart attacks and die instantly. All of that's fair. But, you know, counterpoint, like, it is very, like, I don't know. <laughs> you can see what wh where we might be going with this. In the yeah, future. exactly. Yeah. And speaking of uh, looking at things to come, Fox, let's chill out with some non with Jesus Christ, with non thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Man, this first fucking uh, cover is just shoulders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Prog A20, still the galaxy's toughest comic. Greg Staples draws a very chinny dread with a giant shoulder eagle and belt, and belt buckle. Little bit of helmet reflection, which I like. Um,. Oh, sorry. And it's time for a baton charge. Yeah, baby. In, in the nerve center, Tharg contemplates thick 16 years of thrill power God. and plugs the magazine, among other things. Yay. 16 years, buddy. Oh, my God. Um, we'll never die. Frog, there's a yeah, there's a bits column for the first time since August 1992 with reviews for Game Boy, Link, Super NES, and Mega Drive games. Man, the only uh, thing below an 80% is Batman Returns on Link's. There's just a weird, yeah, that weird Atari skateboard-sized handheld, you know. Although I think Super Nintendo is the clear winner. Oh yeah, with Mario, with Mario Kart, Super WrestleMania, Super and Smash, Super TV. Smash TV, yeah, yeah baby. which that's, we reference a lot in this podcast. Fucking great game. <laughs> that big, uh, whatever, general guy with the tank. Oh was yeah, torso on a tank, tank, tank torso. Should say, uh, also for Super WrestleMania, 93 is, of course, in, is in the heart of the new generation on WWF. By the end of the year, Hogan will be out of the Federation and Yokozuna will be champ. Man, Yeah, Yokozuna! Times. All right. 
Um, the nerve center has a picture, uh, or sorry, the input page is a picture of sexy Judge Bunny, complete with boobs so big her uniform won't, won't close in the okay. middle. Letter writers are forced to do extra homework to read 2000 AD. Th- thank Tharg for 15 years of comic. Um, and then there's both positive and negative opinions of Luke Kirby and just some general things about Finn. The prog ends with a big action montage of Kelly's Eye by Brett Ewins ahead of the start of that story later this episode. Okay. Kelly's Eye. Indeed, yeah. 21 Kelly's Eye. Yeah. Brett Ewins <laughs> draws the indestructible man running from a, fl- a flaming car crash, his chest gem glowing. Oh, God, he's just such a fucking 90s cartoon problem live forever <laughs> i will never die <laughs> in the nerve center thark says that 1993 is the year of thrill power okay. teasing prog 828 which will have bad company armored gideon and fire kind as well as teasing the upcoming summer offensive and free gifts in the fall there's also a section on kelly um, and his appearances in comics as well as in universal um, in sorry in previous brit comics as well as in universal soldier in 2000 ad and the input page is a picture of the garbage can eco-terrorist bin. bin. I love that one. <laughs> and a very long letter of complaints, including that the in, like the complaints include the input page is too small. The dread mega epics haven't had enough follow-ups. Robo Hunter sucks. Revere is confusing. Wow. Dead meat sucks. Finn isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> These are les- leavened with positives. Uh, the Nightwalker was excellent. The Luke Lu- Kirby story. Uh, Rogue Trooper is good, but needs bio chips and a firm timeline. God Bring damn. back classic stories with original creator teams, including Meltdown Man and Halo Jones. Yeah, I okay, fuck yeah. Dreaming. I mean, I mean, I'm <laughs> Listen, not. I don't disagree with Meltdown this guy, Man, but yeah, I, I, I'm mostly agreeing, honestly. Um, and um, then, sorry, and basically just get it together, 2000 AD. God and damn. let me assure you, Fox, 2000 AD will not get it together. <laughs> Though Tharg does use this as an opportunity to tease the return of biochips and Rogue Trooper. Says, actually, Robo Hunter's quite popular. Thank you very much. Oh, so, yeah, also, fuck you. No, there's <laughs> no fucking way. Yeah. He says he, he also mentions the new Mean Arena coming, which will be later this year, I believe. He says the average 2000 AD reader is 15 years old, which, which, which I thought was interesting. And then another letter says that Revere is great, and the prog ends with a future graph of Firekind coming in 828, which I'm super dope. stoked about. Man, it's gonna I'm, be... I'm into this giant dragon picture. Yeah, some sci-fi dragon stuff. It's got like a mouth-boring hole uh, as an ear. It's weird. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Like, um, it's by uh, John Smith. Who did like Indigo Prime and stuff like that. Yeah. He really tried to. He really he he said his goal was to kind of tell a story that isn't based on sort of the same old tropes and stuff. There's some production problems we'll see, but also just I'm excited to, to get to talk about it. Um, anyway, eight twenty two law and ordinance. Mick Austin's got dread with a big old rifle on this cover, and really. Both this and the Dread cover in 820 makes me feel like they didn't have it, like they, like they, someone might have missed like some cover um, commissions or something like that, because these feel like just sort of archive covers, like they yeah. just sort of been like, all right, like let's let's just get like 20 Dread covers we can have in case we don't, in case something falls through, <laughs> because these two Dread covers just have nothing to do with Dread itself, you know. Mm. Um. 
In the Nerve Center, Thug makes fun of other comics companies offering various fancy alternate color covers and similar and like and special editions of their comics when they're released. And while this kind of stuff will kill the collector's market in American comics in a year or two, 2000 AD is not without its own problems in other yeah. ways as well. Like this is very much whistling past the graveyard here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tharg also provides more details of the Summer Offensive, naming the comics that'll be there. Uh, Maniac 5, Slaughter Bowl, and Big Dave. <laughs> Mid-prog. <laughs> There's an ad for some Star Trek T- uh, The Next Generation Panini cards. And I just mentioned, to put you in time here, The Next Generation is nearing the end of its life in 1993. Fuck. Though in January of 93, Deep Space Nine premiered, for Yay. instance. Shot, reverse shot. Yeah. In listen, we gotta walk and talk on this promenade, buddy. That's the key. <laughs> gotta get your money's worth of that fucking promenade and um, the runabout. Mourn in the input page. There's Beautiful. pictures of Dread by future 2080 art droid Lee Carter and a rock and roll judge. Letters complement uh, the bleak end of Zenith, which we both also enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Mentioned that Dread has killed a lot of his former classmates. Uh, ca- cast Clint Eastwood as Dread, and honestly, Clint's getting a little old for Dread, maybe. Or you'd yeah. have to tell like a Dread is also getting old kind of story in this one, because mm-hmm. like '93, where we are now, that's when the movie uh, In the Line of Fire came out, which is about Clint Eastwood being an old. Like the whole the whole point of that movie is that Clint Eastwood's too old to do action stuff, basically. Like it's it's I'm too old for this shit. The movie. <laughs> oh oh oh, sorry, but also uh, ooh, what if we had ceramic guns and John Malkovich killed everybody, which okay. is also interesting. Modern themes or something. Um, uh, letters also compliment various thrills while downing wireheads. Um, they compliment Brigand Doom and down yeah. Dead Meat. Also, I noticed that the exit poll is shrinking a little bit, which I like just because, like, the big complaint letter mentioned this, but just there's a lot of wasted space on the input page, or there has been. And I think they're addressing that and making some of these things a little smaller now, just to have more room for letters and stuff. Hell yeah. The prog ends with a back cover ad for the Anne, Mc- Anne McCaffrey books, Damia and Damia's Children, apparently part of a series of books that features sci-fi ladies sitting in chairs with cats on the cover. <laughs> it's like five of them in a series and only one of them doesn't have that basic setup. Oh my God. A23, Wild Tales of the Thrill Power Generation. Ryan Hughes draws a very surly Tharg in the style of various James Dean adjacent movie posters. Mm -hmm. I should say, I wonder if the brunette on this cover is the same one that Tharg was hanging out with on the 13th anniversary of the Prague in number 667. But anyway. Oh, um, interesting. You know, I don't know. It just could be a design style or something. In the Nerve Center, Throg reflects in the last 16 years of th- of thrill power. Mm. Mentions that Time Magazine just published a cover story about the rise of big old cities around the world. That's called like the me- rise of the mega cities. <laughs> the input page is a pretty good picture of all the judges that Dread led into Sabat's lair on Judgment Day. A, a quick, a couple quick letters lead to Tharg plugging the upcoming graphic novel for it, or sorry, the upcoming graphic novel uh, releases. There's a request for an all-female character-focused prog or special, but that then gets judoed into discussions of reverse discrimination or something. What? 
Plus, like, they did an all-female special in 1989, so I don't even know what they're talking about here, yeah. Fox. <laughs> like, they, 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 like, that's the answer is, hey, we actually did it because we're progressive, not this, like, 1993, like, actually, when you think about it, um, oh, doing things for women means that you're hurting men, and we don't want to hurt anybody. Well, so okay. like, we shan't be giving in to pressure. It's <laughs> stupid, stupid logic. Yeah. One writer makes a case that we have seen Dredd's face, but Dark says not really. And the prog ends with an ad for the UK Aliens comic collecting stories from Dark Horse or from the Dark Horse comics run in the States. And Fox, speaking of um, divisive runs of uh, uh, established characters like a Dark Horse comic, say. Oh, God. Let's go to Thrill 4 Robo Hunter. Do we have to? We yes, I, listen. For, we could skip it and like be all the better for this. No, uh, listen. God damn it! <laughs> that's a slippery slope, Fox. No, I know. It's <laughs> we I'm skip just... one thing, we're going to start skipping a lot of things <laughs> in this era. And put out nice, nice thirty-minute podcast. We just talk about dread and rap. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's there's so much like the, I the think there's arts, already the, other people doing dread just doing dread casts Fox you know part of this is about <laughs> finding gold I know but if I, I it's just so much poop to sift through sometimes this part is, of our claim to fame is that we got to sift through this stuff you know yeah well that's why why people are showing up let me let me let me tell you something about <laughs> Robo Hunter you are gonna tell mm-hmm. me about Robo Hunter and I'm gonna sigh a lot. Yeah, listen, we can do it quick. It's fine. I'm not attached to it. Actually, oh, no, let, I, let, I'm, 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 I am doing a goof, mind. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Jose Casanova, celebrity robot Ellie DeVille. Um, Casanova is credited as Anthony Williams in this for a second issue this time, which I'm pretty pissed about. <laughs> uh, we learn that the serial stunners are robots dedicated to making humans look silly, usually by hanging them upside down in their underwear. <sighs> One man theorizes that the the stunners are sewer droids and they're unable to kill humans because of their programming. But then what happened to their human supervisors? Uh Meanwhile, Sam Slade's visiting a sick kid in the hospital and this kid loves Sam. Sam shows the kid his gun and they reminisce about his his early days. Sorry, what? I don't understand this child. He loves Sam Slade. They... Even talk about uh, the National Song Week case. Yeah, that you know, was a all fucking weird, weird. I'm glad that, they're, that they at least had the gumption to bring it the fuck back up. But like, no. Yeah. The two part and Sam's actually done a good deed for once. Meanwhile, in the sewers, the cops have found the body of the sewer supervisors. He's dead. All right. But of old age, they say. Well, I don't think that ends up actually being true. Meanwhile, a mysterious lady professor, Professor Haney, tells her um, assistant Hector, as well as the president of the United States, there's nothing to be done about the serial stunner situation as it relates to the royal visit that's coming up. Back in the hospital, Sam's heading out, giving this kid his cap and everything when he gets baseball batted in the back of the head by one of the serial stunners who abscond with Sam and kick the kid's wheelchair down the stairs, ending at a window, and the kid goes flying out the side. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, I did like that part. They killed that kid, Fox. Listen, if there's one thing that this podcast has always said, it's that we've got to kill these goddamn kids. There's no follow-up. You've got to assume there's no, there's no like, oh, he they saved him or something. No, no. they killed that kid. <laughs> they killed that kid. 
So them <laughs> saying like, Kelly oh, we're old... that kind of jump. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, in 821, the credits are finally right. And Sam is upside down in his underwear, a pink bow tied in his hair as the stunners prepare to, ki- to fill his under his undies with salad cream, which I assume I is a British thing that I believe is different than salad dressing. But don't uh, don't quote me on this. Okay. Uh, they're also planning to do something with the queen, and then we learn their backstories. It seems they were all killer war droid late of the last war for Greenland, blasting their way through the Iraqi Chinese alliance with a moderate amount of racial slurs, Fox. I guess <sighs> that purchase actually went through at some point. Who of Greenland? Who knows? God. Um, after the war, the robots were too expensive to decommission, so they just all got jobs doing random stuff, teaching nursery school, slaughterhousing, sewage attendant, etc. Most of the stunners were working that last job for this disgusting rat man named Turk Delight. A terrible <laughs> I, man in all accounts. <laughs> I do like the name is good, though. Absolutely. Yeah, very uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe here, you know. If you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, that's, I, that's, I, you struck the chord of memory there. I forgot that that, what, what, it was for, uh, Mr. Tumnus, right? No, like it was, Turkish uh, Delights. whatever, the kid, Edmund, he sells out his whole family. Oh, yeah, for Turkish Delights from the Ice Queen. For Turkish Delight from the Ice Queen. Or yeah. Ice Witch I or remember, whatever. I remember, I, I, I'm positive I've said this on this show before, but I remember hearing that and then, at some point, I actually tried. I got try. I tried Turkish delight. We we don't really have it in the states that much. And basically, just saying like this was not. This is not a confection worthy of selling out my family. <laughs> just shows you like what I think he was likely just ready to sell his family out. Yeah, like it's fine, but like not sell my family out to an obviously evil queen level of of of, of good. Anyway. He uses some attract you to me pheromone cologne, but it only attracts local dogs. And then eventually a swarm of rats in the sewers that would eat him alive. And Fox, this is why the second phrase of the first law of robotics is so important when you're building robots. Which is not allowing humans through inaction to to be to be to come to harm. Correct. Now, listen. I'll also spoil you on some later Asimov stuff. That this leads to weird psychological um, ennui for the robots. But you know, there's a like. <laughs> you got to take the sweet with the sour there. You know. Because, like, oh, but, like, does that, like, should we then, like, change society that humans will, pro- will to protect the humans from themselves, etc.? Whatever. Um, just trying not to talk about RoboHunter here, grasping for these asides. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sam's, he, he's hung naked from a church scandal, from a church chandelier that scandalized the nuns, a Man, chandelier. <laughs> so the only thing that I will say in the defense of this is that, like, all right, Conrad, I'm going to read you something. So there's a nun okay. walking up with her mother superior to the church. And she's like, I yeah. had that awful dream again last night. The one where a young man kissed me on the cheek and held my hand. Then a flower opened up and a train went through a tunnel and I woke <laughs> up with a fever. Uh, and then she gets slapped uh, and that you're very wicked. And uh, then, yeah, it's the male. Is Sam Slade. Anyway, 
uh, sex dream, man. They just like straight up say sex dream. Yeah, all the all the sex stock, all the sex images at once. Very excellent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't a uh, an oil derrick that had a, that got a gusher as well. Or oh something yeah, like exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so, sorry, Scandalier, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, at the concert hall, the Queen Mother is making an appearance, but then the lights go out and she's gone. The bots have taken her, and they can't hurt her, but she is the ticket to getting their ability to kill back. Okay. Uh, Sam is carried away by the cops, while some G-men brace Professor Jillian Haney, who designed the stunners. Uh, they're trying to find the queen, but they needed only to wait. Assume the robots have taken over a TV station and announced their plan to the world. Let us kill, or we will expose the queen mother's butt on national television. Which, I mean, I guess that's a pretty good, pretty good threat. Ah, oh, the insult is an international incident, you know. And they're already showing off what they intend to do by letting you see her slightly patched Union flag knickers, Fox. Oh, it's Virtus all over again. Oh, Um, it is (laughs) Virtus. No, I'm talking about um, 2080 superfan John Burtis, who frequently wears uh, Union Jack boxer oh, really? shorts and That's social media posts. Fucking well done. <laughs> um, the robots go, oh, God, come on. Um, the TV station is soon surrounded while Professor Haney isn't cool with letting the robots kill again. She doesn't have to worry about doing that because the cops have called in Sam Slade, who's now dressed like her, complete with a wig and short shorts and, and also cigar, c- cigar and sideburns. Yeah, and like just really uh, laying into this woman for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's some meanness here. There's some, like, things that look very regrettable in 2021, generally, about the end of the story, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. Sam bursts into the place, gunning down the robots as they beg for mercy, and is quickly followed in by a very dread-esque SWAT team, also guns blazing. Yeah. The leader of the stunners, Joe Needles, tries to escape as, J- as Sam gives chase. Needles begs for his life, and it's honestly pretty sad, you know? <laughs> like, in terms of just like, I can't do anything to you. Yeah, I like you're killing me for no reason, and I'd feel bad, but they killed that kid, Fox. So I don't <laughs> give a shit. <laughs> Fair. Um, so and Sam guns him down. He's so tough, he gives himself the willies. Okay, let's let's stop with the self congratulation. All's well that ends well as Sam celebrates at the fairly racist Charlie's bar. Uh, oh, but he's still wearing the lipstick from his disguise. Oh, jeez. Okay. Sam Slater return next episode. God, fuck you, really? Yeah, buddy. There can't go to hell. There. <laughs> I'm already there. Why? Why? It's a very simple question. There can't be that many children who are just like, I like Sam Slade. I've learned from the input page that Sam Slade is very popular. And if you don't like it, that's a you problem, I guess. Okay, well, no accounting for taste then, I guess. Yeah, totally. Hey, and speaking of uh, people of questionable taste, Fox, like these rich folks in the Flying City. Let's go to 305 Flesh. Yay. I like dinosaurs and carnage. Definitely. Script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art robot Carl Critchlow. Letting robot Steve Potter. 
with the T-Rex, Kogrok, dead, and Shamana captured. Whoa. The Dinosaur Rebellion has petered out as evil Doctor Doctor Tubal has been running erect, electro-aversion therapy on Shamana, forcing her to wear human clothes, yeah, have pigtails, and answer to the name Susan. This guy is evil. <laughs> yeah, no, he's doing some real fucked shit. We saw some of this in the in the most recent ABC Warriors story, but Pat Mills is definitely down, and, and I guess in Finn too, but a, a little bit. But Pat Mills is definitely down on science, not into science. Ugh, it's very strange. Yes, she's clearly very sad, but is actually speaking English and not attacking people for when she's had her morning sedative, at least. Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, because you've kept on your clothes and you haven't bitten the nursey, you'll get your reward. It's like there's this real yeah. weird dynamic going on here. Absolutely. This is some this is some fetish stuff going on here. Absolutely. Uh, she does stay chained up, but then as a reward, she's taken to see her dinosaur friend, Mufa, who's now tied up on some sort of gurney thing. Shumana cries out, but is restrained with literal dog commands, you know, sit, stay, etc., as Mufa, we see he's a shape-changing chameleonic dinosaur, so he tries to change shape out of the situation. Yeah. But, you know, he just turns into Dr. Tubal, who's like, listen, I know when it's me, you know. Yeah. Um, he zaps him as... He, he zaps Mufa as well. Jesus. Uh, and he starts threatening Shimon with more electro experiments when he's interrupted by Martinez, the head of security. Tubal shows off his findings... Um, that he's managed to cow Shumana so much that she no longer responds to things with violence. She behaves like a young girl should, helpless and in tears. God, God. So <laughs> So evil. It's so he says, fucked. <laughs> he says Shumana is domesticated, but Martinez is not impressed. <laughs> and a new dinosaur army has arrived at the Time to Time gates. Hell yeah. They're getting their girl back, baby. Definitely. It looks like the mopping up of dinosaurs has proved harder than expected, so Tubal steps in. He dispatches a bomb-covered female Styracostar out to blow up attacking males when they do it, and oh similar things with bomb-covered pterosaurs. Real great. For the raptors, or terrible claws, as we're calling them here, it's really just a matter of cyborging <laughs> up a bunch of them and have them fight each other. It's fine. Oh, it's so rad. Yeah, but oh, but then that one small dinosaur that's always high on plants all the time, he's leading all the raptors into the human base and they're killing everybody and the cyborgs aren't responding to the, the controls. Oh, no. Yay. Kill all humans with all death, dinos. Yes, death to the fleshy ones. Martinez decides to close the security fence and restart the offensive once corporate sends her more troops. Uh-oh. Uh, Tubal tries to feed Shimana with a spoon and slaps her in the face when she yeah. spits the food out. This guy is just real evil. Yeah, now it's time to put the shock helmet on you. Yeah, puts a big tech, like high-tech helmet onto her, starts causing her techno pain. <laughs> He goes to leave her there for a few hours. Later, Martinez comes in, sees what's happening. She's disgusted by Tubal's yeah, actions yeah. and frees Shimana and Mufa and allows them to escape and even gives Shimana back her dino clothes and knife and stuff like that. Fuck yeah, man. 
Shimano licks Martinez and leaves. They go um, to escape using Mufa's chameleonic ability, but they're, of course, they're pretending to be Martinez and Tubal, who are too high profile, just wander out to the fence. Mm. Some human tries to stop. Some humans try to stop them, and a big fight breaks out. Um, but luckily, woman and Dino are able to make a break for Hell it, yeah. killing some dudes, making it to the jungle at last. Shimana cuts off her human clothes as Martinez thinks soon Shimana will be the only human here left alive. God damn, not wrong, I guess. Yeah, no, righter than she knows, honestly. Because now it's time for the big showdown at time to time. All the grunts have these big dino rifles. They got to make every bullet count. One bullet, one dead dino. But before the fight begins, Dino Rod. Oh, God, this guy. Tough guy that was stooping the boss's wife, Mrs. Tropicana, comes to Martinez and says they've been stitched up. The reinforcements aren't coming. Indeed, they want the dinosaurs just overrun the. Uh, oh yeah, this is a very the the, the, the factory. Yeah, it's happened before. It'll it's happening again, right? Yeah, all the all essential <laughs> personnel has been taken up to the floating factory, and the workers have just been left to fend for themselves. Um, yeah, they want the dinos to overrun the place. Only, yeah, scientists and valuable machinery saved. They don't even want to save. They didn't even save Dino Rod, which I guess the boss is apparently aware of, and is like, "Ah, oh, we'll get you another stud for you to have sex with at our next uh, next base." Like, "Oh, you take care of me so well." Like, Jesus "Oh, these modern Christ. relationships, house of cards, buddy." <laughs> Whatever. Deeper parts of uh, of the internet for this kind of stuff. So, um, so gross. <laughs> Martinez shakes her fist at the floating city yeah, as it flies away. I mean, away. what else are you going to do other than, I don't know, a gun? Well, Tubles taunts her, and so she grabs her rifle and does take a shot at him to no effect. See, oh. it's all part of plan B, Fox. B for blanks. Bye. Oh, oh no. <laughs> That's when he literally says that. <laughs> the fight begins, but everybody's guns has blanks in them. So it's over fast. These dinos are victorious. Presumably everybody's dead. Yeah, man. I mean, they're going to they're going to start finishing off the meat and then turn on the bones of their friends here in a second, man. Oh no. Next time, prehistoric paratroopers. Oh, awesome. I like that. You, you got to think that that's going to fucking parachutes. <laughs> or just flying or just generally like being air based, you know. You that can't be that can't sound good for the people in that flying city. No. That's what I'm saying. No. Oh my god, you climb on the back of like a pterodactyl, jump into their stupid base. I'm into I'm it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for all these stupid bases to be destroyed, <laughs> Fox. Oh man. Especially with dinosaurs. I really if I if there's one thing that I'm I'm loving about Pat Mills, just his style right now, and it was like this in ABC Warriors and it was like this in Finn, is that he just makes all the villains such unrepentant monsters. Yeah, that's you know? good. It makes it easy for you to know, like, how cool is this it, guy going to be when it dies? Yeah, it makes everything feel really low calorie. Like, you don't, like, uh, unlike, say, in Robo Hunter, actually, where there, there was clearly an attempt to feel bad for, like, maybe as a joke, I guess, but to feel bad for the serial stunners because they can't, they can't hurt humans as they're getting slaughtered. Like, in this case, it's a real, like, Shamana kills these humans, and it's like, yes! 
kill them. Like, <laughs> it's a fun, fun situation. Exactly. You know? It's nice to see dinosaurs eating humans. Always ready for it. Definitely. Uh, but speaking of uh, creatures from the past, having adventures, Fox. Oh God. Let's go to Thrill Six Kelly's Eye. Oh, yep. This uh, this happened. Yep. Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Brett Ewens, and Gina Hart, lighting robot Ellie Deville. Kelly's Eye is back. Do you know Fox? You you last saw him in Universal Soldier Three. Yes. For the record. And um, I last saw him in the 1992 action special, which they had a bit of a prequel series in here. Let me tell you something that I just absolutely love, Conrad. Mm-hmm. Having a predictable story as soon as I read the first few pages, knowing exactly how it's going to end, um, and <laughs> getting to the end of the three three episodes or three progs that we have to read through it. It's, it's so... It's so good. This comic's going to be one of the best, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. I do like just that you're right that these that, that this Kelly story is predictable. And like, especially like even like the individual beats of the story are pretty predictable and you get a sense of the rhythm of it. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just kind of a fun like fluff um, oh, action sure. story. I, I I'm, not, I'm not going to shit on it too hard. Like, you know, yeah. the guy is unkillable and is now like just a down on his luck private eye. Okay. Yeah, well, he survived so long that, like, you know, now he's just, like, all that's all he's got, basically. I like that it's just like, I've got no money, even though I yeah. can live forever. Totally. Yeah, so Kelly, he's a classic comics guy. He's got a gem in his chest that makes him immortal. It used to be a necklace, but now it is just fused into his chest, basically. Um, he's been alive a long time, like he's sort of canonically alive since the 60s, and now it's the distant future of 2076. Mm. Um, and he's at the Belepharon spaceport, very close to Pe- Bellerophon, the guy who killed the, Pe- the uh, Chimera with the Pegasus, but not quite. Oh, yeah. We got a mix of humans and aliens here as Kelly seems to be fishing for a job from a bartender when suddenly a dame in a slinky dress come over comes over to pretending to be his wife and whispering that two men are following her and asks her to help and asks him to help her for a hundred bucks. I mean, you know, great. Now I've got the heat. Yeah. Well, you know, when, when you're immortal or whatever. Yeah, like, that's fair, actually. They walk out of the bar. She kisses him as she gets into a sky cab and offers him some bodyguard work, tells him to check into a certain hotel. She'll find him then. She's got no time to explain. She drives off as Kelly trips the goons and flies off in his own cab, arriving at the Paramount Hotel. There, he is disrespectful to the service staff, seemingly for no reason, yeah. and finds his hotel room kind of gross. So it, it seems fine to me. I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a normal future room. Yeah. The woman, Mariana Trench. Oh, oh my God. God. Calls him and his on and is on her way up to his room when some goons burst into it into his place, grab Kelly and throw him out the window from the fifty sixth floor. Get out of here, you bum! And here's where we get the uh, the format of this comic, which is basically. At least in these first three, every issue ends with a big full-page cliffhanger of Kelly in peril. You know, which I mean, he's invincible. So, yes. Counterpoint: We do know he's immortal, so it's less <laughs> of a cliffhanger, I guess. But and, all right, 
It's got a classic feel to it, though. Yeah, of course. Like the like a uh, like a serial uh, uh, a movie with an S. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like, the big like, how will the phantom? How will the shadow escape? You know, come back next week. That kind of stuff. Yeah. As he falls, Kelly has time to monologue a bit, explain that while he is indestructible, he does also feel pain. So a big fall like this would be a real bitch. Um, luckily, the hotel has some flags hanging out the side of the building, seemingly at random. So he's able to crash through those to slow his fall a little bit. It seems to work because he eventually lands on some wooden boxes without too much damage. And then the flagpole lands on his head. And that's where Mariana finds him. Yeah, great. They walk back into the hotel as she explains that those goons were after her. Um, because a week ago, she asked her husband for a divorce. And then she has the front desk guy muscle her and Kelly into the royal suite of the hotel. As she explains that her husband is rich and powerful and didn't want to divorce her. Because okay. it seems that each of them in their own right own half of every hotel in the city. Oh, so, well, that's going to be great in the divorce. Whatever, exactly. Like, he doesn't want to have a new business rival that suddenly owns half of his stuff, I guess. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Eh, eh. I mean, I, I guess know. I wouldn't murder her over it. I'd be like, hey, See, why don't I, you take this hotel and I'll take this hotel? Yeah, like you split them up by hotel or like you get, like one of them gets 51%, the other one gets a big cash payout or something. Yeah, There's exactly. ways to do this. Arbitration, um, man. Like, yeah, come on. Not murder. Go, go, go to lawyers, not, n- n- not goons, you know. Yeah. Um, Kelly says it all seems dramatic as he showers off. He comes in with just a towel, g- gem like, clear to God and everybody, which is pretty <laughs> like, what's your relationship with this lady? Yeah, like, what's going on here? It's definitely a power move. Like, you're going to have to put pants on in front of her if you don't have them on already. I'm just saying. Um, well, Andy tackles he, her, for Christ's sake. Yeah, well, then he spots some headlights through the blinds of the window and realizes that it's a hover car drive-by shooting. So he dives in front of Mariana and to block a hail of bullets from hitting her. Yeah. So the uh, the shooting stopped and Kelly's cl- um, and they're both okay, but Kelly's clothes got all full of holes. Mariana orders some replacements, and soon there's a knock at a door with a fancy suit. Kelly dresses, and then there's a second knock. And Kelly and Mariana decide that this must be bad guys. They go to escape through a side door in the bathroom, okay. I guess. That's the it's the old peepers door. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not an architect, so I don't know how it works, but this is apparently apparently there's a second way out through the bathroom here. Yeah, I mean classic second way out of a hotel room. <laughs> Some goons shoot the lock off and come after them, but the pair make it to the elevator before they get caught. Kelly hails a hover taxi, but instead a car flies by and the driver drops a grenade on him. Kaboom. Kelly gets in front of the blast. And we got another big, uh, big full page Kelly murder here as the explosion <laughs> engulfs him. <laughs> Next time, follow that cab. Okay. Why not? Like, and I'm sure like a, a, then the car is going to hit him and then a meteor is going to fall on him. Sure. But I think, you know, this is this is fine. It's I fine. Guess. It is. It is like it is absolutely the definition of passable. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just it's a it's a like it's got a big high concept of like, you know, a noir gumshoe combined with sci fi, like a, a sci fi in um 
um, a noir gumshoe that also happens to be immortal, so you can just keep doing these big, like, almost death, like, cliffhangers and stuff like that. Hooray. It's okay. Well, again, it's just, I, I feel like all of the wind, like, is out of the sails at that point when you're like, also, he's immortal. <laughs> yeah, and but, like, and also just feels very by the numbers as well. Yeah. Like, where, you know, you can really, I think you said that, yeah, like, you can really just tell we're sort of winding up just to get to the cliffhanger, basically. Mm. And, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, we can all, like, I don't know what... I don't know what the twist is, but I'm going to assume that Marianne is going to betray oh, I mean, Kelly yeah, at some point, right? Like, yeah. that seems pretty obvious. Um, you know, again, like, I liked it a little better when it was Night Zero and things were really weird in Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, and men, like, when men in fucking clad in medieval armor. Yeah, and the fact that, like, Tanner was invulnerable was more of just plot armor as opposed yeah. to literal armor, you know. God, Night Again, Zero, it's the, so good. It's the, Bill, it's the Bill Savage thing of just, like, you know, he, he's functionally immortal, but, like, when you say that, then you lose something, you Yeah, know? exactly. And hey, on the topic of things that are immortal and cannot be stopped, Fox. Oh, God, I know. You can't stop them from fucking talking about themselves and just <laughs> shitting all over their customers. Thrill 7, Tharg the Mighty. Yeah, take a fucking lap, you know? <laughs> Script Robot, the Mighty One, presumably Alan McKenzie, or uh, Richard Burton, one of those, the, ed- the sub-editor or editor. Art Robot, Eric Bradbury, Letting Robot, Any Park House. Been a while since we've had one of these Tharg stories, I think. Definitely a long time since Eric Bradbury's been in the prog. I, um, I mean, it just, to me, it feels like an output page writ large. Definitely, yes. I'm pretty stoked about this one, though, because Eric Bradbury is an artist I really like. Oh, yeah, no, it looks great. And he hasn't been in the prog in a long time, so it's cool to see him here and in full color as well. Like, it's There's some really glorious art in here. It's really mm. nice just in terms of, of Tharg's look and things like that. Yeah. A, like, angry fireplace-sitting Tharg greets us in a dressing gown. And this story's called Tharg's Masterclass. And it's basically just a story telling people not to submit unsolicited material <laughs> to 2000 AD. But if you must, here are some tips. Yeah. Like, and they're just really basic. They're, they're, these are literally, like, like you said, things that they could also put just in a text, like in a in a text box for how to submit things to 2000 AD, or like in the in the rules for the thought bubble submissions. Actually, yeah, exactly. That they do when they do open auditions at a big convention for 2000 AD, which is like you know, um, send in your, make sure your script is neatly typed if you're a writer. Um, and um, have photocop and send in photocopies of your work in a comic book style. If you're a uh, artist, don't come to the office. Don't call a lot. They don't do pair to teams. They don't do special contracts. All the you know just basic audition stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's base. Yeah, it's just what they do with the thought bubble open auditions these days, actually. But then suddenly Bert gets attacked by a bunch of jerk kids who pitch basically of something that breaks every single rule that they just mentioned. Yeah. Um, whatever. Be cool, you jerk kids. Stop sending in submissions. Get, get out of here. <laughs> Stop being excited about this thing we created. Fox. Hey, yo, whoa, hey, yo, me. You're talking to me with, now. Hey, whoa, buddy. Yeah, because with that said, there's a submission I want from you, buddy. Oh, no. And it's what your top and bottom thrills are for Man. January and February 1993. That's easy as all heck, buddy. 
My bottom is Robo Hunter. I don't like mm. Robo Hunter. We know I don't like Robo Hunter. It's not getting any better. Although when that kid flew out the window, I did do a chortle, right? <laughs> Just like a, <laughs> and then we moved on from that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but man, oh man. So uh, as much as I would like, uh, I would love to put um, flesh on top, but I'm I'm not this time because Dread was so fantastic. But I did want to put in some mentions on like man, Strontium Dogs. I've never. I don't think I've had to say this, but you're on notice. Oh, no. It's like, come on. That's it's, fair. It's it's really just not that great right now. Um, mm. And don't pick on Feral, which I never thought I'd say. But to be, perf- <laughs> yeah. to be perfectly frank, like the kids earned earned his rest in his uh, drunken haze, you know? Yeah. Well, they could leave him alone. But other yeah, than you that. You have a bender. I mean, other than that, Kelly's eye is fine, like you said, right? So really, I, I don't. I don't, I mean, and yeah, okay, uh, dead meat's gone. Great. That's great. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's got to be dread. I mean, I love me some PJ, maybe. I thought the story was, was well done and funny. And then it's like this little cherry on top of my, of my delicious PJ, PJ, maybe milkshake with last night mm-hmm. out was real good, man. I like this Cahill guy. I like to, I like to imagine that their death day is basically just the, a, a bachelor party of beatings. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just a big punch montage, basically. <laughs> it's like, Hey, if you're going out, let's make sure you have a good time. And I guess by good time, we mean beat the shit out of a bunch of citizens. Die like you live, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so Conrad, What's your top and bottom thrills, baby? I gotta know. Man, I got. I feel like I have no choice but to agree. Honestly, oh, have solidarity, solidarity for this one. Robo Hunter's oh. awful. I don't like it at all. Um, dread. I but I did really like this dread. I thought that these PJ, PJ maybe stories were kind of fun. Just in like, I really like that. Um, you got a sense that I don't know. I feel like he kind of wanted to be caught almost. Like this very much felt like he was like if you want to get really deep into the character, mm. this almost feels like he's getting tired of his shtick almost of just like yeah. yeah, like I'm a super genius and I'll kill these guys and no one will know about it and I'll just slide under Dread's radar. Well, maybe and there's stuff like there's that. also maybe not another kid that he can slip into the skin of. So if he's a little bit older, maybe. Yeah, I just really like. I felt like this was the end of an era for PJ, maybe. And yeah. it kind of felt like he was, if not wanting to get caught, like at least subconsciously making some unforced errors here. Yeah. You know? And I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, yeah. and But everything else is fine. Like, I liked Robo... I liked... Uh, no, no, I didn't like Robo Hunter. <laughs> excuse me. I liked Flesh pretty well. Like, I again, I'm a big fan of just how evil Mills has drawn these humans oh, and stuff yeah, like that. Like, time. that's really good. Um dead meets i'm you know again one of these lower tier ones that i'm glad to see the back of you know yeah um shortly was its goodness yeah and i'm i'm surprised actually by how much i'm i I wouldn't say that i've got kelly in my you know kelly isn't in my top but i would say it's firmly in my middle of just some i think you know mid-range noir action or something like that yeah i mean it's it is inoffensive it is just simply yes. like you know it's not it's just not great <laughs> yeah no i'd say it's like a, it's like a just a plain vanilla thrill pretty much yeah. i was expecting i was expecting to really dislike it just because we i've been so down on a universal soldier and stuff like that but this manages to avoid some of the worst parts of those stories just you know being weird I, and whatever I can, else. I can say this for it it's not future shocks so 
We're pretty happy about that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. The 2080 forums on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K for everything else, Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. And why not drop us a rating or review wherever it is you're listening? It helps Yay, out a lot. come on. This do show it. is brought to you. Oh, sorry. I said do it. Yeah, this show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardinghan, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and get extra rewards like advanced episodes, coverage of my own 2080 in the magazine, even Q&As with Fox and myself. Then come back next time as we reach the climaxes of Flesh and Strontium Dogs. Kelly keeps... Um, keeps surviving we'll have br- and we'll have brief returns of Nemesis, Bradley, and of course, more Robo Hunter. <laughs> what the fuck? This sounds horrible. It's that time, 1993. Wow. And until then, I'm Confetti's Fox, and we are Space Center 2000. One big bird.